0: Today on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray.
1: Now, this story is about three different kinds of prejudices racial prejudice, religious prejudice, and gender prejudice. That could be today. That's still going on today.
0: Gotta dwell with man, sick meal and the cripple standing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say, Let this world know me by your love. The packing house in Redlands welcomes you to today's Growing Grace. We're going to look at a familiar story from John chapter 4 today with Pastor Ed Ray. The Lord's encounter with the woman at the well is well known and has been studied repeatedly for a very good reason. This woman's life has many parallels with the lives of people today, even you and me. Now, you might not have been married five times and be living with your sixth companion, but it's possible you have more in common with this woman than you may think. Here's Pastor Ed reading from John, chapter 4.
1: John writes, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea, departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there, and still is to this day. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.'" For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? Yeah, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go. Go call your husband, and come back. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have left for us this historic event, that we might glean from it and understand who you are, your character, and what it is you want to do with all of our lives. Speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading the recent Pew poll. They do it every year. It's about... The strange things in America, the things we believe. It said 10% of Americans believe that Elvis Presley is still alive. (laughs) 24% believe that they will personally be reincarnated. 25% believe that aliens had visited Earth in the last hundred years. 74 percent believe that the U.S. government is currently involved in cover-ups and conspiracies Hmm. now that bothers me because that means that 26 percent think there aren't any cover-ups or (laughs) (laughs) conspiracies many seem to believe almost anything in these United States except that Jesus Christ the Son of God came to heaven and died came from heaven and died here on earth for our sins now The fact is that people today are jaded. That's an old term. It means somebody who is, actually it's a horse term from a horse that's worn out. We're all worn out over viruses and things like that. So we have a tendency right now to not really believe very much. This chapter, in John chapter four, introduces to us a woman who is jaded as well. She's been around and around, writing the merry-go-round of life. She's been trying to have satisfaction in her life built on relationships. She's been married multiple times. We'll find in the second half of the story, which we'll do next week, Lord willing. So she meets Jesus, and he opens her eyes to the fact that there is a life here that's difficult in this story, We read in John chapter 4, we find a lady searching through life, going from relationship to relationship, trying to find a lasting, loving mate. In fact, this 2,000-year-old story could be told today. She could be a woman that you know. She could be your next-door neighbor. She could be a friend of yours. She could be at work. She could be here this morning. We live in a time where people are struggling to find meaning in life through relationships. And here's one 2,000 years old who has been married five times, we'll see next time. And the guy she's living with now is not her husband. And I want you to watch for how Jesus approaches her, treats her with great respect, and loves her, we'll find, into the kingdom of God. So Jesus, we're told, needed to go through Samaria. It was a spiritual need, not a physical one. Jesus, being led by the Spirit, had an appointment with this lady, and he went out of his way to meet her. You and I have had those in our lives and probably didn't recognize it when it happened, that God, God incidences happened to all of us. He sends people into our lives that we think, wow, that was a coincidence, but no, it wasn't. God himself put that person in our life for the very thing that we needed to hear at that time. We don't know very much about her. We don't know anything about her childhood. Did she have a father in the home? Was she loved and cared for as a child? Was she a battered wife? Was she battered by her first husband, her second? her third, her fourth or fifth. We don't know, but Jesus does, and that's why he comes to find this woman. He need to talk to her. He needed to show her love. She needed him, but didn't know it yet in the story. The whole purpose of going through Samaria was this lady. So She had a date with Destiny. She didn't know Destiny's name was Jesus Christ. This is a God incident, unknown to her, but in God's plan for her life. Even though in her mind it was an ordinary day like any other, probably thought it was just another day of the week, but it would have eternal consequences. And that could happen in our lives. In fact, today could be a day that has great eternal consequences in your life or mine. We don't know when we get out of bed in the morning. Some mornings feel like they might be great, others not so much. Her life for eternity would never be the same because of this meeting that's recorded here in John. Jesus points out to her three things, critical things that she needed to know about him, who he was, and we need to know that too, who Jesus is. She needed to know what he had to offer her as we all need to know too. And she needed to know how she could receive from him this gift that was so important to her life. Three parts in this section, the appointment in Samaria, first six verses. God makes a request of this woman, seven through nine. He'll make a request of your life, too. And then 10 through 16, this idea of living water. Let's jump in and see what God might say to you. Therefore, When the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made him baptize more disciples than John, Jesus knew this would cause jealousy and make him the target of the Jewish leadership. The the rabbis were angry that he was baptizing Jews as was John. It was a baptism, he said, of repentance, repent and be baptized. Jews didn't baptize Jews, they baptized Gentiles to become Jews. So by saying the Jews needed to be baptized, he was saying you're not born into the kingdom of God. You don't go to heaven just because you're a child of Abraham. That was their thought. In fact, many Jews still believe that today, that they have eternal life because they were genetically tied to Abraham. I have a friend who's a Catholic guy, and, and when you ask him if he's a Christian, he says, well, of course, I'm an American. I was born in a Catholic home. And I understand that because I used to believe that too. We've been arguing for 30 years, so uh, pray for me. (laughs) So Jesus himself didn't baptize, but only his disciples. He was there, he was affirming the baptism, it was good. But his disciples were actually physically doing the baptizing, probably so nobody could brag later. Well, I was baptized by John. (laughs) Yeah, but I was baptized by Jesus, it's gotta be better.
0: Pastor Ed Ray reminding us of our God-given responsibility to spread the good news to the lost and dying world. And this is Grow in Grace. We're in John chapter 4, and we pick things up now in verse 3.
1: Verse 3, he left Judea, departed for Galilee. Now, we saw last week that Judea is the area around Jerusalem. It's the southern part of the nation of Israel. And he's going to the Galilee, which is the lake up north. It's about a 70-mile trip. So Jesus is leaving rather than getting involved in this fray, in this argument about baptism. That's a good lesson for all of us. There's people that are always wanting to argue about something in Christianity. Is it a pre-tribulation rapture or mid-tribulation or end of the tribulation? If you don't know what that is, you're blessed. Uh, Any of those. (laughs) Uh, somebody engaged me last week in a conversation he wanted to argue with me about the way we baptize here and they, they think you should be sprinkled and I said well I'll sprinkle you if that'll help <laughs> we could use one of those sprayers my wife uses uh, iron but uh. it doesn't matter it's eternity we're talking about salvation with God so He needed to go through Samaria, verse four says, and this need is not geographic, it's a spiritual need. He needs to visit this woman. He has an appointment to keep, if you will. She didn't know it. It was a normal day for her, but he was going, God was going to Samaria, and maybe God is going into your life this week. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? Go through Samaria. Now, there were three different ways he could have gone. Israel's this long nation and there's a road from the south where he had been, all the way up, that goes along the ocean. It's the Via Mara, and people took it when it was hot because it was a nice sea breeze, the way of the sea. And then there was another one that was just east of the Jordan River on the inside of the eastern side of the nation, and they took it when it was cold because it was warmer inland. But the middle one went right up through Samaria, and they never would take that one. Jews would not because they were prejudiced. Now, This story is about three different kinds of prejudices. Racial prejudice, religious prejudice, and gender prejudice. That could be today. That's still going on today. So he goes through Samaria, which was an area that had been all of Israel. We would call it the West Bank today. But it was there in 722 B.C., so 700 years before Jesus, the 10 northern tribes of Israel were captured by the Assyrian army that came down from the north and took most of the Jews, not all of them, but most of them out, and then put them in their other colonies all over the Assyrian Empire and Persia and Greece and and modern-day Turkey. And then they brought people from those areas back into Samaria. So the Jews that were left married some Greeks, some of them married Persians, some of them married the Italians, some of them married, married the Turks. And so there was this mixture of races. And they were prejudiced against races, just like there are racial prejudices today. So, they also had religious problems because all those countries were involved in polytheism in, in multiple gods and idol worship and, and in fact the Phoenicians that were just north of them they would sacrifice babies to the god Molech in the temples literally killing children to try and please the gods and so the Jews hated to be involved with anything that had to do with these Samaritans. Now, there are still a few Samaritans left, a few hundred in the middle of Israel. We have a young man in the college group that visited them. He showed me a picture standing next to the high priest of Samaria. So they're still there. They still only use the first five books of the Bible. So that means that they still sacrifice animals. But that's the area we're talking about. And so there's a racial prejudice and a religious prejudice, and this third one is the one that is, uh, surprises this lady, and it's this gender issue. So we came to the city of Samaria, verse 5, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son. Now back in Genesis 48, Jacob, you remember the name Jacob, had to be changed. Jacob was a twin, a non-identical twin. His brother was Esau, and when he was born, he grabbed his brother's ankle and tried to get out first so he could have the birthright. Long story short, his name means heel catcher. It means cheat. It means the liar. He was a thief. But he had an encounter with God later and he would struggle with God. In fact, wrestled with an angel of God and then the angel touched his leg and he he walked with a limp the rest of his life and God gave him a new name. The cheater became Israel which is governed by God, ruled by God. And so the man that was a cheat in his steel steal is suddenly ruled by God. That's your story. That's mine. Sinner gets a new name. We don't know what our new names are here, but we get a new one in heaven. And it will have something to do with something that God gave us as a gift, I believe. Scripture talks of it. So... He comes to the city of Samaria. There in the bottom side of it, you'll see there's two mountains, Ebal and Gerizim. And Samaria, the little dot, right in the center is this city, Askar. Today it's called Askar. It was Sychar in those days. And you can go and visit it to this plague. Now, this is where the Jews returned when they came back from being in Egypt as slaves. And they buried here Joseph's bones. And the spring that's there, the well, is still active today, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there, as it is now. Jesus, therefore, being weary from the journey, sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Weary. Jesus was tired. That's amazing. God became man and got tired, just like you and I. God understands our weakness and, and our weariness because he had a physical body just like yours, just like mine. In fact, Hebrews 4 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He didn't stumble into sin by these trials and tribulations. And it's noon, it's the sixth hour. Jesus sat right there and he waited because he knew he had an appointment. And it was here that a woman would come. And a woman came in groups usually in the morning or in the afternoon after the heat of the day was gone. This lady shows up at noon, why? Because she was constantly in trouble with the other women. She was probably the target of their gossip. She'd been married five times, living with a guy now, the sick guy, who she wasn't married to. It was unusual in the Jewish culture for a Jewish man to talk to a woman at all publicly. In fact, the Pharisees, the rabbis of the Pharisees walking down the street, they were called the bump and stumble Pharisees because if they saw a woman come, they'd look down. They wouldn't look where they were going. And then they'd get a big bump on their forehead or skin knees and fall down. A rabbi walking down the street would not even recognize, wouldn't acknowledge his wife if she was walking by him. Didn't want to give anybody the idea that he might be talking to a woman or something. It's prejudice, deep prejudice. So this woman came to draw water, and Jesus spoke to her. He said, give me a drink, and she's blown away. That's interesting. God asked for a drink of water. The one who made all the water that's on the planet, H2O, right? Made all the water that's in streams and rivers and lakes and oceans he, he's the creator but he asked her for a drink of water his disciples the next verse tells us had gone into the city for food and so we know that John the writer of this gospel was the youngest disciple and so he's probably only 13 or 14 years old and so he, he's waiting and he records all this he's the only gospel that records this story because he himself was there an eyewitness He heard exactly what Jesus said and heard this conversation word for word. Now, she wasn't expecting Jesus to say anything, just male and female. But on top of that, there's this racial issue and this religious issue that's going on. So she's amazed that Jesus says anything. He has nerve. She gives him a real abrupt answer. The woman of Samaria said, how is it that you, you know, you're a Jew, would ask of me, a drink, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she touches on the base of the prejudices here. A drink from a Samaritan, a drink from a woman, for Jews have no dealings. It, It had been 600 years since the Assyrians came down from the north, almost 700 at this time, and carried off the 10 tribes of the north. That are sometimes called the lost tribes of Israel but that are not lost as you'll see when we go through the rest of John so it was this area that the Assyrians took all these Jews away brought in all these non-Jews and all these various kinds of worship were going on including the killing of children that's the religious part that's the racial part what's with the uh, woman part Jesus is the great emancipator I know we learned in grade school that Abraham Lincoln was but Jesus was 2,000 years before Abraham Lincoln and Lincoln got the concept from scripture in England the Quakers had petitioned parliament in 1783 to stop all slavery in the country that was almost 100 years before it happened in America. Wilberforce, a Christian, an outspoken Christian in the parliament, labored for 30 years to stop all slavery. In 1825, an American lawyer by the name of Charles Grenis Finney in upstate New York got radically saved, and he became a preacher an evangelist and he was the very first evangelist in America to do altar calls like Billy Graham did. You come forward if you wanna give your life to the Lord and pray. So Finney did that for ten years and had great impact on upstate New York. In fact, you can read in the history books in Rochester, they closed down all the bars because nobody was going to the bars. And the police department closed a whole bunch of the precinct jails because nobody was committing crimes because it had such a radical impact, this one pastor. Well, 10 years later in 1835, a school, a new college in Oberlin, Ohio, asked Finney to come down and be a professor there. And he went down, 1835, and he walked around the school for a couple of days and met faculty and the students and the trustee who asked him if he would take the job. And he said, well, ask, answer two questions. First, I, I don't see any blacks and I don't see any women. They said, well, we couldn't allow blacks or women to this college, it would fail. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you then. And he went back home to Rochester.
0: Thanks for being with us for Grow in Grace. We're studying the Gospel of John right now with Pastor Ed Ray. And if you joined us late or you just want to hear this again, go online to thepackinghouse.org. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. Or call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. This program is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. We have an exciting resource to tell you about today. It's Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Grace is a word we love to hear, but many of us don't know what it really means. Sure, it's how God saves us, but it's also how we grow. Pastor Chuck Smith shares insights from his own life and reveals how grace changes everything in our lives when properly understood and applied. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE and we'll send this your way for a gift of any amount. That's 844-77-GRACE. We'd also like to hear what God is up to in your life. Is He using this program to help you grow in grace? We want to know. Our email address is Radio at AOL.com. That's Radio at AOL.com. That's all the time we have for today, but mark this spot in John's Gospel and join us next time as together we grow in grace with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, Blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone, faith, hope, love, and harmony. I
1: said, Let this world know me by your love.